Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. How are you feeling today? What a joy to be with you here. Hey, before we get started, can we give it up one more time for all of our dads and fathers? Happy Father's Day to you guys. Hopefully, if you, you know, like steak, you get a nice steak. If you're not into meat, some nice veggie burger or something like that on the grill. <laughs> uh, happy Father's Day. Hey, if this is your first time at any one of our locations, whether it's here at Greenwood, Banta, Franklin, Garfield Park, Seymour, if you're watching for the first time online, or one of our e-microsites, can we just give it up for all of our first-time guests here today? So excited to be with you. Thanks for accepting someone's invitation. And by the way, by the way, some of you might be think, thinking, like, what's an e-microsite? Well, an e-microsite is basically a small group of people that are gathering in a location, watching online or watching the recording, and it's like maybe 10 people, 15 people, and we're hoping that that turns into a campus. So guess what? Guess what? We are starting one in Mooresville tomorrow night at 6.30, Mooresville Microsite. Can we give it up for them right now? Mooresville, we're coming to, we're coming to you, baby. Uh, so very, very exciting. Anyway, uh, if you're not brand new, welcome back. Great to see you. And we're in a series right now called The Sixth Sense. And what we said in this series so far is that in the same way that there is a physical realm that we navigate with our five senses, sight, hearing, touch, taste, all that stuff. In the same way there's a, a physical realm, there is a spiritual realm that is just as real, maybe even more real than the physical realm. Realm. I read this Bible every single day. I read through it entirely every single year. And every single time I pick it up, I see the evidence that there is not just a physical world, but there is a spiritual or unseen reality that we're supposed to be living into as people. The Apostle Paul said, we walk by faith and not by sight, right? We, that, in other words, the five senses are really no good in the spiritual realm. We need something else beyond the five senses. We need a sixth sense. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else. What is the kingdom? The, the kingdom of God is the unseen reality of God that is here now. And we're supposed to live in that kingdom. And then he said, and then all these things will be added unto you. Jesus said one time, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full or have it to the max. You could say it that way. A life filled with purpose and meaning and joy and satisfaction and fulfillment. A life of inner strength to overcome the difficulties of life. A life where you can have the power and strength to forgive those who wound you and hurt you. That is what Jesus came to bring us. And that is life in the kingdom of God. And that is the offer on the table. However, this offer is opposed. There are forces trying to block us from live, living in the kingdom of God or living in the unseen reality of God where you are meant to thrive as a human being. And there are three, there are three forces. In week number one, we talked about the devil. 
He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to block us from living in that life with deception. Last week we talked about the flesh, and then there's this third force called the world. And I was gonna talk about that today, the world and, and how the world's trying to block us from eternal life and abundant life. But as I got to study in this week, I realized something. I realized that there's actually more to say about the flesh. So I put off the world till next week, and we'll talk about that uh, in a couple, in, in seven days. Today I want to talk to you one more time about the flesh. If you were here last week, we talked about the flesh. The flesh is basic, or basically, or is. The, the desires and appetites inside of you that feel right but are actually wrong. Peter said that we, are, we should abstain from the desires of the flesh because they wage war against our souls. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. And so I said to you last week, if we're going to win the battle against this internal enemy called the flesh, we have to sow seeds into the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, for those of us who are believers. We have the Spirit of God inside of us. And when we feed the Spirit of God, it grows inside of us, and we begin to bear fruit of eternal life, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and righteousness and goodness and purity. But if we feed the flesh, then guess what? Those seeds also grow into corruption. Right? We talked about the deeds of the flesh, and it ruins your life. I don't want to repeat last week's talk, so if you missed it, you can get back on YouTube or go to the app and check that out. But I realized, okay, that's good, and hopefully you did that. Hopefully you did that. Did anybody sow good seeds into the Spirit this week? Yeah? Okay, okay, that's, that's pretty good. We got a, a, a friend texted me and said, hey, my buddy really enjoyed your message last week. He actually switched up what he was watching on Netflix, and he switched to Little House on the Prairie. I was like, that's so good. That's right. See, because everything you watch through the eyes and through the ears goes into the mind, which affects the soul. There are seeds and there will be fruit with whatever you put into your mind. And so watch the content of your mind. Create a healthy mental diet. Okay, I really want to preach that again, but I can't because that was last week. Today, what I want to talk about, I want to talk about the flesh, the title of my message is Real Creative, The Flesh Part Two, okay? So, real Creative. The flesh part. There's something else the Bible tells us what we have to do with the flesh if we're going to experience eternal life and abundant life. In your notes, I wrote it like this. You must kill the flesh. Very exciting. You must commit murder to the flesh. You must take your flesh out behind the barn and shoot it and kill it and annihilate it. That's what the Bible actually teaches. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in, in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Listen to the powerful words. Put to, say it with me, put to death what is earthly in you, what is fleshly inside of you. And then he kind of gives a short list of what some of those things are. Sexual immorality, which is any sex outside the context of marriage between a man and a woman. Any type of sexual behavior outside of that context. Impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. What is covetousness? That is when you want what somebody else has. That is idolatry because it's basically looking to something other than God for what only God can do in your life. Idolatry is worshiping anything else besides God. It's valuing anything else more than God. That is an act of the flesh. And Paul says you have to put these things to death. This is not an exhaustive list, but it's a pretty good one. Why would Paul use such graphic language? Like The Greek word is actually mortify, to literally kill. Why would he say you and I have to kill the flesh? Well, here's why. It's a very important reason. See, if you don't kill the flesh, the flesh is going to kill 
you. This is a game of high stakes. If you don't kill or mortify or destroy your fleshly desires, eventually your fleshly desires will kill you. Right now the U.S. Open is going on. I think today's the last day. Any uh, golf fans out there? Any Tiger Wood fans out there? Tiger is not playing in the U.S. Open because his body is still in pain because of his last accident where he flipped his car and almost lost his leg. Anybody see the two-part episode on Netflix about Tiger? It's hard to watch because Tiger had the world in the palm of his hands. And when, just, just to kind of bring the story down to the, the basic parts, he could not control his flesh. And his sexual appetites were out of control. And he slept with this woman and this woman and this woman and this woman and this woman. It became too many to count. Of course, that brought death to his family, right? Death to his marriage. He started turning to drugs. Car accident, life falls apart. So he's not playing this weekend in the U.S. Open. And he should be. So when I say, hey, this is a high-stakes game of, of life and death, I really, really mean it. They say, where are you getting this from? L let's look at what the, the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 13. If you live according to the flesh, if you give in to its desires, what it wants, it, there's a war inside of you, according to Peter. We've got the devil attacking us, then we have our flesh to deal with. If you give in to the flesh, live according to the flesh, you do whatever it wants to do, you will, say with me, die. It's like exactly what God told Adam and Eve in the garden. You can eat from any tree you want to eat, just don't eat from that one. If you eat from that one, you will die. God's not playing around. Like this, is a, this is a high stakes game. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But, and here's the promise of the good news, here's the gospel, here's the offer on the table for you and me today. If by the Spirit, the Spirit wants to help us, if you put to death the misdeeds of the body, the flesh, you will, say it with me, live. You have a choice. I have a choice. We don't have to give in to the desires of the flesh. In fact, when we crucify it, when we die to it, we step into this thing called Zoe or abundant life or eternal life. Life the way it was meant to be lived. Peace and goodness and joy and trust and inner strength to handle problems and the ability to live above anxiety. Oh, the ability to live without fear. To have true peace in your heart and mind regardless of the circumstances going on around you. Whoa. That's life in the kingdom. That's the offer on the table. James, the brother of Jesus, describes our situation, your situation, my situation, in the book of James. He named it after himself. Listen to what James says. He says, let no one say when they're tempted, I'm being tempted by God. Why? Because God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself tempts no one. Who is the tempter? It's Satan, right? But James doesn't even mention his name in this. He just acknowledges that there is temptation and it's not coming from God. Watch this. He said, each person, me and you, is tempted when he or she is lured and enticed by his own, say it with me, his own desire. James is using a fishing metaphor. Any, any fishing fans here? Anybody have a fishing pole like fish? I don't. 
I don't, it's, it's just, to me, it's just a waste of time. But hey, I know, I know other people like fish it's, it, and fishing, and it's great. I got a buddy who loves fishing. He goes out on boats. Okay. James uses the fishing example. He's like, here's how temptation works. You have a tempter. He's the fisherman, Satan, and he has a rod, and he's going to throw some temptation out there in the water, and he's got bait designed just for you. It lands in the water, and his hope is that you will see it hit the water and go, ooh, what's that? <laughs> and swim over to it and look at it. And I don't, know if no, I don't know if fish smell or whatever, but dogs do, right? They smell it, and then the hope is that you'll chomp onto that bait, and then he hooks you, and you're toast. You're done. That is exactly what Satan is trying to do for you, do to you. But James didn't even blame Satan. He just says, when it happens, here's how it happens. You're lured and enticed, two fishing terms here, and you bite, not because Satan's evil. Yes, he is evil. But you bite, why? Why do you bite to that sexual immorality, that pornography, that greed, that covetousness, that jealousy, that anger? Why do you bite? You bite because you want to bite. If the fish weren't hungry, I know this about fish, and being a fisherman, I'm not even, but I do know this. If they ain't hungry, they ain't biting, yes? The reason why you and I fall into sin is because there's something inside of us that's the problem. We can blame Satan all day long. It's not his fault. It is his fault. It's not. We're the ones biting. And if we don't crucify our desires, what is the flesh? The flesh is when you have appetites and desires that feel so right, but they're wrong. If you take that bait, you are cooked. And then James switches metaphors. He goes from a fishing metaphor to a, a, a woman getting pregnant metaphor. Listen to what he says. Then watch what happens. When your flesh, when your desire has taken that bait, guess what? There's conception. And, and once that conception goes nine months in the belly, it gives birth to a bouncing baby sin. And then when that sin becomes two years old and three years old, you know, the, 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 the terrible twos, it brings forth death. Wow. And some of you have lived this process out. And you have been through one marriage. In fact, some of you have been through two because of this. You've been through one career. You've been through two careers. You've been through this business, and now you're on this business and because of temptation and taking the bait and letting it grow and giving birth to sin. And what I'm here to tell you today, and this is kind of graphic, but I'll stick with the metaphor, what you need and what I need is to have a spiritual abortion, metaphorically speaking. Because you've taken the bait and now that thing's growing inside of you and unless you terminate that death, that baby, it's gonna bring forth sin into our lives. It's gonna bring forth death. In fact, some of you are here today and you are, you are messing around with sin and nobody knows about it. And it's hidden right now. But you're doing stuff and you know it's wrong and it's, it's, it, there's a conception inside of you. And I'm telling you, it's just a matter of time before someone checks your phone and someone checks your email and they're like, what is this? And, and I would tell you to repent 
and get it right now. In fact, it's not even me, it's God telling you that. And that's my situation, that's your situation. We are, we are battling the flesh and we have to win this war. You know, uh, I was reading the scriptures the other day and I saw it. I was like, holy cow, this is exactly what the Bible teaches us. I was in 2 Samuel and I was reading about a guy named Amnon and Amnon uh, decided that, that, that he was going to lust after his sister Tamar. And it's like, oh man, that's incest. Come on, dude. But he can't get over her. She's so beautiful that he, he just, in fact, in 2 Samuel, it says he was lusting so much after her that, that he got sick. He wanted her so badly. He was so obsessed with her. He became ill. And, and, and he couldn't have her because it was his sister. This is King David's son, Amnon. King David's daughter, Tamar. And so one day, he, you know, Amnon's got this bonehead idiot friend. Anybody have any friends like that? Try to get rid of him if you can. This friend of Amnon comes up and says, hey, you're the king's son. Why don't you just, uh, you know, invite Tamar up, up to the bedroom and, and have her make you some food. And then when everybody leaves, lock the door and have your way with her. And Amnon's like, oh, that's a great idea. So sure enough, he has Tamar, his sister, make him his favorite meal. And they come upstairs and she locks the door and, and he violates her. And then he turns on her and he becomes disgusted with her and he's really disgusted with himself and he projects that onto her and he throws her out and locks her out. And well, Absalom, who's also Amnon's brother and Tamar's brother, he finds out about it and he is enraged, but he doesn't do anything right away. He sits on it and his flesh for two years is seeking Revenge and building a plan to get revenge. Two years later, Absalom orchestrates the murder of his brother Amnon. And if you know the rest of the story, it doesn't go well for Absalom either. So this book is filled with examples of people who have given into their flesh, whether it's lust or anger or whatever it is. I'm telling you, if you don't kill the flesh, the flesh is going to kill you. Yes? It's making sense? So how do, we, how do we work against this? What do we need to do? How do we actually kill the flesh? The flesh? Well, let me start this way. In a sense, your flesh is already dead. Like if you're a believer in Christ, well, the Bible teaches that our flesh is, 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 is positionally dead. You say, what does that mean? Well, let me, let me try to explain. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a, a new creation. The old has gone, the flesh is gone, and the new has come. This is sort of our positional stance between us and God if we're believers in Christ. Listen to the way Paul describes it in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, my old self has been, past tense, that's what that, the verb form is, my old self has been crucified with Christ, my flesh. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives within me. He's obviously not talking about his physical life, he's talking about his flesh. And then later on in the same letter in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, he says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus, those who are or have faith in Jesus Christ, have crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. Okay, makes sense. So positionally, in a sense, I, I, I am crucified with Christ. You are crucified with Christ when we place our faith with him. Colossians chapter three, verse three, puts it like this. For you have died to this life and your real life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now let me, let me, let me try to help us make sense of this. If you're a dad here today and even a mom, you've probably been maybe in a situation where 
you take your kids to get signed up to, to go play soccer or some other sport. Uh, and and uh, the, the, the organizers are like, hey, you know, would you consider coaching the team? We don't have enough coaches. And you're like, what? I don't know anything about soccer, but you're a good guy and you're a good mom. So you say, okay. And suddenly you find yourself the soccer coach of your kid's team. Anybody ever been there? But you don't know jack about soccer. So you have this position of coach, but your condition is <laughs> ignorant, right? At best, like you know what soccer is and that's all you know. Well, now you're in a position all season to try to figure out how to get your condition to match your position. Well, that's kind of how it is when we place our faith in Christ. Positionally, we get like we're in Christ. Like our old person is dead. We're, we're new people. We're, we're Christians. We're sons and daughters of God. But conditionally over here, we're just still a bundle of fleshly desires that have not been crucified. So I wrote it like this in your notes. Here's what's true about you and me. Crucified with Christ is your position, but it is not your condition. So for the rest of your life on this planet as a believer, your job is to get your position to match your condition or to get your condition to match your position. And that's the journey that I'm on and that's the journey that you're on. To try to crucify our flesh. To put to death what is earthly inside of us. So positionally, we're great. We're in Christ. But conditionally, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And that's why I wrote this next point in your notes. You also need to crucify your flesh daily. You also need to crucify your flesh daily. Think about what Paul said in Colossians chapter three, which I just quoted a few seconds ago. Put to death what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, all these different things, right? Well, if it's already dead, then why would I need to put it to death? Well, again, it's because your condition doesn't yet, yet match your position. Where did Paul get this teaching? He actually got it from Jesus himself. Listen to what Jesus said. Whoever wants to be my disciple, my follower, my pupil, or my apprentice, that's what this word means, not a fan, if you remember that series, but an actual follower, you must, watch this, deny themselves. That's not a popular teaching today, right? Today we're taught to, hey, if you feel it, do it. If you feel it, it must be right. Don't deny yourself anything. In fact, if you deny yourself, I'm, you're, you know, you're suppressing yourself in your own development. Jesus said, no, it's actually the opposite. There's something inside of you called the flesh that needs to be denied. And then he says this, after you deny yourself, I want you to take up your cross. How often? Daily. Every single day. And follow me. What is the cross? Well, in our culture today, the cross is a piece of jewelry. Maybe it's a tattoo on the arm. You know, it's, it's, it's a piece of, you know, it's a symbol that's, that's kind of cool in our culture today. It represents our faith. Well, what was the cross 2,000 years ago? It was an instrument of what? Of death. If you took someone from 2,000 years ago and you put them in our culture today and they saw a tattoo of a cross on your arm, they'd be like, what is that? That's disgusting. That's like having a, a tattoo of an electric chair on your arm. That didn't even make sense. It, doesn't mean, it didn't mean the same thing back then that it means today. Jesus says, I want you to take up this, this instrument of death and I want you to apply it, not to your physical life, but to the fleshly part of your life. And I need it to kill that part of you. That laziness, right? That part of you that's so sensitive that you're always offended. Anybody always offended? Me, I'm always offended. 
Pastor Danny, you're offending me now <laughs> by calling me offended. I know, I know. It's because you're fleshly. The flesh is very sensitive. Got a lot of sensitive people today. That's very, very fleshly. Pride, fleshly, lustful, fleshly. Jesus is saying, if you want to be my follower, you've got to take the cross and apply it to your lust, apply it to your pride, apply it to your ego, your, 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 your tendency to be selfish and manipulate and gaslight people and, and try to deceive people. Cross, cross, cross. And if you don't do that, well, you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to step into this thing called abundant life and eternal life and be my disciple. You can't go two different ways and arrive at discipleship. You have to go one way. We'll say, how do you do that? How do you actually crucify the flesh? Two things I want to share with you. The first one is you have to see yourself properly. You have to see yourself properly. You have to understand who you are. And I was just talking about this. I was talking about your position and my position in Christ. In Romans chapter 6, verse 6, this is what's true about you and this is what's true about me. We know that our old sinful selves, watch this, were, past tense, crucified with Christ. Now, conditionally, that's not true. But positionally it is when you place faith in Christ. In fact, that's what baptism is all about. Baptism is this symbol of dying to your old way of life. That's why we go under the water. There's a drowning there. There's a death to the, set, to the flesh. And symbolically we are washed and we rise into a brand new life. That is our position in Christ. Dead to the flesh, alive to the spirit. Following Jesus Christ. Paul says that's who you are and you have to live out of that position. You're crucified with Christ. Why? So that sin might lose its power in our lives because you are no longer a slave to sin. Whoa. That's the deepest part of who you are. You are crucified with Christ and it's from that position that we need to live out our lives. Why is this so important? Why does Paul say in five, six, seven different places that our position is in Christ and crucified with Christ. Why? Because human beings cannot consistently act in a way that is inconsistent with the way they see themselves. Have you noticed that? If you don't see yourselves, yourself as, as someone who can go to college and get a degree, you ain't going. If you don't see yourself as someone who can be an entrepreneur and start a business, you ain't starting one. If you don't see yourself as someone that can have a happy marriage and find somebody that loves Christ, you're never going to find it because you don't see yourself as that kind of person who could do such and such a thing. Well, guess what? If you don't see yourself as crucified with Christ, no longer a slave to sin, you will never live out a spiritual life. Because you're seeing yourself as nothing but a dirty, rotten sinner. This is just what I do. I mean, you know, I'm human. All I ever do is sin. All I ever do is give in. I'm just a horrible person. All right, well, as long as you view yourself that way, then you're stuck. Paul says you have to understand. You have to see yourself properly. You have been crucified with Christ. And it's from that position that we are now going to live out our lives and do this second thing. And that is to choke it out. What do you do with the flesh? How do you kill it? You choke it out. You stop feeding it. Don't give it any room to breathe. How many MMA fans are that we have out there today? MMA. It's kind of, I, I, I have to be honest, it's too violent for me. <laughs> I have a hard time watching people just beat the you-know-what out of each other. But I did see a video the other day 
of a fight that happened four years ago between Conor McGregor and a guy named Khabib. And if you're an MMA fan, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about because there's a huge fight. And, um, and I was watching the fight and I was watching this guy, just Khabib, I was watching pretty much beat McGregor up and I guess McGregor was supposed to be a big famous guy or big good fighter or whatever. I don't know much about the sport. And it was kind of a big deal. And I was watching the, you know, the highlights of this, and then I got to the end of the fight, and, I, and, I, and you know, uh, Khabib is like really beating this guy up, and McGregor, and he gets him down on the ground, and he's kind of just trying to get him into, and he, and he finally gets him into this, this headlock, where he just kind of got McGregor under the chin and under the neck, and, uh, and he just squeezed up, and McGregor just tapped out, you know? And, um, and it was fascinating to watch because, uh, after he tapped out, he let him go, and Khabib was just angry. He's mad, and he just gets up, and he just won the fight, and he gets up, and he starts looking around, and he wanted to fight somebody else. He starts yelling at some people in McGregor's corner, and he takes his mouthpiece, and he throws it at him, and the guys are yelling over the fence, so Khabib jumps the fence and does this like ninja kick into the crowd and starts beating people up in the crowd. It was bonkers. I'm thinking, how do people watch this stuff? This is not wrestling WWF. This is like real people beating each other up. I don't even know why I shared the second part of that story. Let's get back to the headlock. <laughs> so I'm looking at this and, you know, now commentators are evaluating this headlock and there's a name for it. And it's basically what you do is you get your arm underneath the guy's neck and then this part of your arm goes on the guy's back and then you lock, you lock your wrist and you, you tighten and because there's pressure on the guy's back, it's just, it's a death grip. Can't get out. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, that's what we need to do with our flesh. There was, it was game over. He couldn't breathe. There was no way out of this chokehold. And I remembered a verse in Romans chapter 13 that I read like 20 years ago. I've been trying to work this out in my life. Listen to what Paul said. Did you know MMA was in the Bible? Did you know that? Paul says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Dress up with Christ. That's what he says. Put on the character of Christ. With that, just like when you get dressed in the morning, get dressed with Christ, his character. And then he says this. And then make no provision. This is the magic. Make no provision for the, say what's me, the flesh. To, to gratify its desires. How interesting. What does that little phrase mean? No provision. It means do not give your flesh, a chance to breathe. Don't give it an option. Don't give it a path. Choke it out. When you choke it out, it dies. It loses its power. Lust loses its power. When you get rid of all of the opportunities you have to fulfill that lust, whether that is Snapchat, Instagram, the internet on your phone, person at work, get rid of it. Do not give your flesh a chance to move. Choke it out. One time Jesus said this, if your right eye causes you to sin, pop it out. For it's better to go to heaven with one eye than to go to hell with two. If your right hand causes you to sin, he would say, chop it off, because it's better to go to heaven with one hand than to go to hell with two. Now, did Jesus actually mean those words, literally? 
No, he didn't because we'd all be blind and handless, <laughs> right? That'd be a bad world. <laughs> he didn't mean to literally pluck your eye out and literally chop your hand off. What he meant was do whatever you have to do. Be extreme when dealing with the flesh. If you have apps on your phone that are stirring up your flesh, delete them. If you cannot handle a phone, go to a flip phone. You say, oh, how could I do that? My friends would think I'm so dorky. Okay, okay. I'm just saying, this is a, this is a game of life or death. If your phone is causing you to sin, chuck it. Crush it. Kill it. If there is a person at work that stirs up your flesh and you cannot stop flirting or you cannot stop lusting, get a different job. Get a different job. Really? I told somebody that one time. They thought I was crazy. It's like, dude, but you can't stop lusting about, uh, over your coworker. Yeah, but it's my job. I say, <laughs> you're going to lose your life. You're going to lose your marriage. Is your job worth that? That's what Jesus meant when he said, pluck your eye out. Choke out the flesh. Do whatever you have to. Can you imagine if we can go back and you were friends with Tiger Woods before he ever decided to step out on his wife? What would I say to him? What if we were buddies? I was like, dude, just, just, don't, do, just don't do it. Stop going to the bars. Stop going to the clubs. Stop going. Just stick with me. We're going to choke this thing out. Where would he be today? Where would he be today? Yeah, he'd be playing in the U.S. Open without any pain in his legs, from the car crash, he'd have his marriage. It'd be an amazing Father's Day for Tiger's Wood today, for Tiger Woods today. This is a game of high stakes. So let me ask you a question today. Who is going to die? It's gonna be you or your flesh. The flesh wages war against your soul and you have a choice. You get to choose, are you gonna to surrender to the spirit or are you gonna to die to the, you're gonna crush your flesh and crucify your flesh. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my follower must deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. It's Father's Day today, and here's what I was thinking about, about being a dad today, because I have a daughter who's 17, son who's 18, and another son who's 20. I was thinking, you know, what's the best gift that I, that I have given to them and that I can give them moving into the future? You know what it is, dads? Pay attention. Pay attention. This is, it's not making money. That's cool, and I can help them pay for gas, and that's a lot today. And I can do some other things for them as a dad. I can teach them stuff and all that other. But that's cool. But you want to know what, what, what my greatest gift to my kids are? Dying to my flesh. Because if I die to my flesh, then I'm, I'm not going to give in to an affair or lust or take somebody's stuff or steal somebody's money or give in to a fit of rage and lose my temper and be fired as the pastor here as the church. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to offer them a stable, consistent, beautiful, blessed life if I die to my flesh. The greatest gift I can give my kids is death to flesh. Yes? Dads, paying attention? The greatest gift you can give, listen, amen. The greatest gift you can give your kids is for you to die to your flesh. About a year ago or so, somebody came down front and his name was Jason. He's actually here today at the Greenwood campus and I saw him on the way in and, and he shared a little bit of his story. I was so blown away. I said, dude, let's go to lunch. We gotta talk about this. I wanna hear the whole thing. We went to lunch. He blew my mind. I asked him if he would ever share his story with you guys because I wanted you to so hear his story, it's so compelling. He agreed, he made a video, 
and he's here today to share his story with you. His name is Jason Morris, check this out. God is changing people's lives. People are giving their hearts over to Christ. Maybe, maybe today is the day when you give your heart to Jesus. What we just saw there was a symbol. Baptism is a symbol of a person saying, Jesus, I am gonna die to my old ways. I repent, I turn from them. I'm being washed, I'm being cleansed symbolically, and I'm coming up to a brand new life, a resurrection life, life in your kingdom life following you, life filled with your spirit. Maybe today is a day where you make that decision. You thought that, you know, God and the Bible was about organized religion. No, it's not. Jesus came to this earth to be in a relationship with you. He gave his life on the cross so that he could live every single day with you. If you'd like to put your faith in him today and accept his invitation of life, understand this, he died for you. He died on the cross, he paid for your sins. Three days later, he came back to life, conquering the penalty of sin and death held against you. And he did it because he loved you. Would you have enough faith? It doesn't take much. In fact, the Bible says the faith of a child is enough. The faith as small as a mustard seed is enough to trust in Christ. So I'm gonna say a simple prayer. It is a prayer of faith. If you have that faith today and you wanna trust in Christ, take these words, make them your own, reach out to God today. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask Jesus to be your savior and step into eternal life. Will you pray with me? Just say this to him. Dear Jesus, my heart is thirsty. My soul is hungry for real life, true life. Life the way it was meant to be lived. And so I reach out to you in faith trusting that you died on the cross for me, died in my place, paid the debt for my sin, and came back to life to forgive me, to cancel the debt, to wash me clean. And so right now I ask you to be my savior, cleanse my heart, forgive me of all my sin, from this day forward, teach me to die to my flesh and to feed the spirit inside of me so that I can experience life in your kingdom. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give God glory, church, amen? Woo! If you just... If you just prayed that prayer, whether you're here at Green or you're watching online, we put together a little starter kit for you. We call it our save box. Inside this box, there's a Bible with a reading plan and information about our church and also a coffee mug in here to say congratulations. If you would text the word SAVE to 65248, you can grab one of these at the information desk out there. Or if you're watching online, give us a little bit more information and we'll send one of these in the mail. One more time, church, can we give God glory? Amen. Next week, next week, hey, really quick, before we all go, I know it's Father's Day, everybody's got plans. Next week, we're gonna wrap this series up. We're gonna be talking about the world and how the world tries to block us from stepping into eternal life. I'm gonna pray real quick and then I'm gonna dismiss us to our local teams. Father, we love you. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for teaching us today about our position and how we need to try to get our condition to match that position. Help us to take the bold step of crucifying our flesh 
seeing ourselves properly and choking out the flesh so we can live life in the kingdom of God with you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right now, I'm going to hand things off to the local teams. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.